Welcome to Engage Boise. We hope that you enjoy this live recording of our Sunday service. This morning we're talking for one more week about this word that we've all heard lots about this past couple weeks. Love, right? As in, I loved the Super Bowl. It was so awesome. I love the Dodgers. I can't wait for baseball season to start. I'm just joking. It was Valentine's Day, of course, right? That's the more important thing. Way more important than sports. I hope you got to spend some time with your significant other if you have one. Last week, if you're here, we talked about how love is kind. Love is kind. And Pastor Murr, she directed this great sketch about that specific attribute of love that I talked about for 1 Corinthians 13. The whole thing is available on our podcast if you go find it. And there's even, uh, if you go to our YouTube or our Facebook, there's a video of the service. You can see the skit. It was awesome. Everyone just nailed their roles. It was great. Uh, and my intention is not to belabor the point about love and Valentine's Day and all that stuff because some of you probably have had your fill of uh, pink hearts and such, uh, your fill of candy and sweet stuff. Maybe not. You just need to stop eating it so you wish people would stop giving it to you, right? Uh, This morning, though, we're talking about how love is the reason. Love is the reason. Because the reason that we as humans are created is to love. To love God and to love others. Now, the world has a lot to say about human relationships and about love in particular. So the reason we're lingering a little longer is because the world has a lot to say about it, particularly what love means or what it doesn't mean. But I believe that the church should have a lot to say about it as well because God has a lot to say about it. And God designed it a certain way. Remember, Paul tells us just before, he's got that beautiful poetic section in 1 Corinthians 13. We read it last week. Uh, And what he wrote right before that is that he is about to write the most excellent way. He says, I'm going to show you the most excellent way. Then he says, love is patient, love is kind. He goes on and on. After all, love of something or someone, uh, it's what motivates every single one of us every day. Because everybody, whether you'd like to admit it or not, you love something. Everyone loves something. It could be your dog. You might love your dog. Our dog I love most of the time. (laughs) You might love your job. You might love your car. You might love your favorite sports team. Maybe there's someone that would say, I love nothing. And I would say you're probably, what you probably love is just being antagonistic, so you're wrong. (laughs) The reason that all of us are put on this earth is to love. For the majority of us, uh, it is our heart's desire that we love someone that becomes our spouse or is our spouse. Now, some of what I'm going to say this morning, I uh, was inspired by this teaching that some of our staff heard at a conference several weeks back. Uh, the guy who was speaking is this pastor from uh, North Carolina named Rick Ross. He's a superintendent of the North Carolina Ministry Network, so all the assemblies of God churches in North Carolina. And I jotted a few things down that day as he was talking. I jotted them down uh, to investigate and unpack, and that eventually became what we're talking about today. I want to give credit where credit is due. It was an awesome thing. Uh, These days, you're going to find all kinds of arguments to the contrary. But I will tell you this. Every person sitting here today is a result of a relationship between a man and a woman. 
It might have been good. It might have been bad. Somewhere in between. But you are the result of a relationship between a man and a woman. Don't let anyone tell you otherwise. No matter what Google tells you. No, I know that not every circumstance is healthy. But I do believe with all my heart that God's design for all of our relationships is good. God's design for your relationships with your friends and your family and especially your spouse, it's good. So you might be wondering, why are we focusing on marriage today when, of course, not every single person in here is married? Like I touched on a minute ago, the reason is because the world often speaks against marriage, especially in the United States in 2023. The world often speaks against it. But I believe, and I believe it's in the Bible, that God is strongly for marriage. It doesn't mean that you have to be married to be whole or useful or loved by God. Not at all. In fact, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 7, he says, it is good to remain single as he himself was. The ability to be content and not sin in singleness, it's a special gift from God that not many people have. So you don't have to be married to be whole or anything like that. I just don't want anyone thinking that this morning. But whether you're married or you're single, our central thought this morning remains what we said earlier. The reason that we are created is to love. To love God and to love others. That's what he made us to do. And God's hope for us when it comes to love is that our love for others is good. Let me show you what I mean. Now look with me, uh, 1 John 4. 16 through 19. We've been going through 1 John in our uh, men's Bible study on Wednesday mornings. Awesome stuff. I'm reading to you out of the NIV this morning, starting on verse 16 of chapter 4 of 1 John. It says this, And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God, and God in them. This is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. And here's the thing, verse 19. We love because he first loved us. We love because he first loved us. In the moment, I'm going to share with you a couple reasons that the love we have for each other on this earth is good. But this passage that we just read, and there's more of it in there, that's the basis for all of it. If we are a Christian, if you're here, you've accepted the Lord, you believe you're going to heaven when you walk out of this place. Uh, if you're a Christian, you've accepted how much God loves you. Verse 9 says, in the New Living Translation, it says, we have put our trust in his love. It says in that little passage, the proof of whether or not we are in God, the proof of whether we know God, is if we love others. You hear a lot of people talk about, is so-and-so a Christian, is so-and-so not a Christian? Well, here we see it right here. The proof of if we are in God is if we love others. The love that is from God and evident through us is it, it is proof that we'll be in heaven with God someday. The love you live with, it tells a story about you. Verse 17 in the NLT, it says, we can face God with confidence because we live like Jesus here in this world. And love that is driven by God's love for us has the effect of driving out fear. I love verse 18 in the NLT, it says, perfect love expels all fear. Man, that is the absolute opposite of what you see on social media, on the news, 
everything in public. Perfect love expels all fear. And the kicker, the reason is that profound statement in verse 18. Perfect love expels all fear, and we love because he first loved us. That's the reason we do it. That's the reason we go home, we love our spouse, we love our family, we love our coworkers, we love because God first loved us. And this morning I want to speak specifically to those who are in a marriage relationship. And the reason is because I believe in it, and, but more importantly, who cares if I believe in it? I'm just a guy. More importantly, God believes in it. It doesn't matter if I believe in it. It matters that God believes in it. There are many, 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 many who would say that marriage is outdated, don't need it anymore. It's just not necessary. It's just a way to get a tax benefit. It's not worth the struggle. Like, man, it's hard. Why would I put myself through that? The negative stuff about it, it just goes on and on. But God created, he created man and woman to be together. He created man and woman to be together. That's not what the message is about, but be clear, he created God and woman, man and woman to be together. And no matter how it has been in your life, no matter how it has been up to this point, God's hope for your marriage is that it would be good and full of his presence now. I want to say that to you again. God's hope for your marriage is that it would be good and full of his presence now. Man, I don't care if it's been a dumpster fire up till now. God wants it to be good now. And he believes in you. And if we are believers in God, then that love he's lavished upon us, it should flow out of us and into our spouse. So this morning in this place, listening online or whatever, whether you are married, whether you have been married, whether you hope to be married, or you just aren't too sure, because like I said earlier, it sounds like a lot of work. And it is a lot of work. (laughs) Spoiler alert. (laughs) You need to understand that the reason we love is because God loves us. So when you go home, you take that right now. You go home and it's frustrating. You love your spouse because God loves you. Like I said, much of the world will tell you that marriage is bad. But I have two things for us to know today about how God wants marriage to be good. First thing we need to know, number one, marriage is good when we do it together. Marriage is good when we do it together. Now I know that sounds like kind of a obvious statement. When I was in, I think, high school, it was really funny to say Captain Obvious to someone when they said something like that. Oh, thanks, Captain Obvious. After all, theoretically, when you get married, you do a lot of things together. You live together. You eat together. A lot of times you put your money together in a bank account. So I know it sounds like an overly obvious thing to say. Kind of like the guy, you, you uh, go watch sports on TV, you go watch the Olympics. They run the 100 meters. One guy wins by a tenth of a second, and the announcer says, oh, if he had just been a little faster, he would have won. Well, yeah, that's, we understand. We watched the race. Yeah, of course, if you're married, you should be together. But how many of you know it's possible to be in the same vicinity as somebody else but not really be together with them at all? You can be sitting right next to them in the same room, same house, whatever, and not be, ne- not be together with them at all. Do you have anyone who's ever played basketball in this place? Anyone basketball players? Good. Good to know. So I still like to go play pickup basketball when my body will put up with it. Uh, I like to play with these guys, the LDS guys. It's kind of a funny story, but I play with the LDS guys. Nine o'clock, Tuesdays and Thursdays a lot. Now, when you just go show up and play, uh, you show up, you know, you're not on a team or whatever. You shoot for teams. You end up on a team. And uh, there is this thing in basketball, if you get on a team, some of you know what I'm talking about, and it's called the gunner. 
Now, the gunner in a pickup game, what the gunner wants to do is just shoot at all costs. So you know if the gunner gets the ball, it's going up. You better go rebound it or just go back and defend on the other end. Now, you're on the same team. He might be really good. You might win a game or two because he shoots the lights out until they put someone good on him or someone fouls him and hits him hard or something, you know. But the thing is, when you've got a gunner on your team, even if you get the ball, what's your first instinct? I know mine is, shoot it because I'm not getting it again. (laughs) See, there's five of you who are together on the same court, but you're really far apart when you've got the gunner on your team. It makes everybody a gunner is what it does. See, one of the things we must do when we're married is work hard at being together. It doesn't just happen. You don't walk in and go, oh, we're together. It's good. We've got to work at it. And all those who've been married way longer than me would say a hearty amen to that. But why is it that we have to work hard? Well, the simple answer is because this is the way that God designed it. Have you ever put together, anybody put together a really complicated Lego set for your kids? Helps your kids put away Legos? I'm just, man, I'm on an island with the Legos here. <clears throat> you know, some, somebody somewhere, I always think this when I put these deals together, someone somewhere had the job of designing the Legos. I'd, I've always wondered now if they have a computer program they do it in or if they just sit there with all the blocks or how they do it. But they design those things because you have a manual that says if you follow the manual, it turns out exactly what, like what's on the box. They get all the dots to line up just right. They make sure certain sides of the pieces get painted a certain way. Some of them have these little tiny lips on them. You've got to be just in the right place for the thing to fit together. And if you follow the design, it looks like the thing that they imagined at first. Clear back in Genesis, beginning of the Bible, uh, God has established his, des- his divine design for man and woman together. If you have your Bibles, you can turn. Genesis chapter 2 is where we're going to go next. Now, you probably know the basics of the creation story if you're here in church today. Uh, In Genesis chapter 1, right, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. At the end of the chapter, he says, it is very good. The man's name is Adam, and he gets the job of naming all the animals and ruling over the created world. What a fun job Adam had. I I think he probably would have run out of ideas eventually. I would have. But eventually, there's this statement in Genesis 2.18, and it starts the passage we're going to read in a minute. But the statement is this. The Lord God said, it is not good for man to be alone. How many of the men say, amen, it is not good for me to be alone? Let's read that together. Genesis 2.18-24. Again, I'm reading to the NIV this morning. It says this. The Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make for him a helper suitable for him. Now the Lord God had formed out of the ground all the wild animals and all the birds in the sky. He brought them to the man to see what he would name them. And whatever the man called each living creature, that was its name. So the man gave names to all the livestock, the birds in the sky, and all the wild animals. But for Adam, no suitable helper was found. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and then closed up the place with flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man, and he brought her to the man. The man said, this is now bone of my bones and the flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. 
That is why a man leaves his father and mother, is united to his wife, and they become one flesh. Now, you've heard some of that at a wedding, probably, if you've been there. Within this scripture, though, it lies something, uh, and this is part of what this guy talked about a few weeks ago that just really sparked in my mind. It lies something, it reveals God's design for us as husbands and as wives. And it's the concept that's mentioned in both verse 18 and verse 20. So I'm going to get a little bit like a, a little academic on you. I don't know Greek or Hebrew. I know what I study and read. Um, but both in verse 18 and 20, you can see in your Bible there that it says that God is going to make Adam what? It says a suitable helper. That sounds a very bible term, right? A suitable helper. Now, when you are looking at someone's design, think about the Legos or whatever. If you're looking at someone's design, it's really important not to skip steps. And here, it's really important to see that God looks at what he has made. He looks down on it at the end of uh, chapter 1. It says he looks down on it. It says it's very good. But he looks down on it, and what does he see? It's that part we read at the beginning. It wasn't good for man to be alone. He's like, I've made this garden. It's great. There's the animals, but... My friend Adam is struggling, and he needs a helper. The pet bear he's got next to him is not doing the trick. He needs a helper. So the next step in this process is that something, but it turned out to be someone needed to be added to the equation. Now, the part that really grabbed my heart and it's, is the origin of the word that's translated helper there in your Bible. So in your Bible, suitable helper. The origin of the word that's translated Helper. Because if you go look at the Hebrew word, Eve being created to be Adam's helper, it means much more than simply a maid to do his bidding. Because you see the phrase that's translated helper, and I'm, I'm sure I'm butchering the pronunciation, the phrase, the phrase that's translated helper is ezer connecto. There you go, you see it on the screen. Turns out there's a ton of information out there on this. But a few weeks ago was when I really first heard it unpacked. And that first word, easer, is the one we'll focus for a moment here. And they take these Hebrew phrases and they kind of arrange them um, to make sense for in English when we read it. But that word, easer, E-Z-E-R, easer is translated from Hebrew uh, into, into English. It's translated either rescue or save or strong. Rescue, save, strong. Now already I think it sheds a little more light on the subject. Because the traditional interpretation sometimes of the woman is that she's subservient to man. She was made from the man's rib. That, for that reason she belongs to him. Now that's maybe not be what the word says. But if she helps rescue and saves and is strong, then our understanding of it begins to change a little bit. So put that in your mind. It says that she rescues and saves and is strong. The real kicker is when we realize the other places in the Old Testament where this word easer is used. Because many times this word, E-Z-E-R, in Hebrew, it's used to describe God's saving help towards Israel. Listen for the word help in these uh, Old Testament passages, Psalm 33, 20. Listen to the same word. When you hear help, it's the same word for, uh, for help here as it is with Eve. We wait in hope for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. 
have a few more for you. Psalm 115, 9 through 11. All you Israelites, listen for the word help here. All you Israelites, trust in the Lord. He is their help and shield. House of Aaron, trust in the Lord. He is their help and shield. You who fear him, trust in the Lord. He is their help and shield. Forward a few pages because you got Psalm 119 coming up. So you got to flip forward a little bit. Psalm 121. Man, I love this scripture. I lift my eyes up to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Man, when we start to think of Eve bringing the same type of help to Adam that God brought to Israel, well, that kind of casts the interpretation of suitable helper in Genesis in a whole different light. She's not a maid. She is a strong helper uh, like God was to Israel. Now, please don't misunderstand me, okay? I, I don't want to be misunderstood. I'm not placing the woman in place of God or above man. I'm not doing that. I'm not saying God is a woman or any of these crazy things you see out there. Because we know in the New Testament, in Ephesians 5, right, God clearly states the husband is the head of the household. God designed it that way on purpose. But what God did not design it for is for man to rule over the woman in a master and a servant dynamic. And I think this scripture proves it. Or vice versa. We must understand in our homes, okay, there's a difference between leading and ruling. The difference between leading and ruling. You see, when we lead, it means that even if someone is in charge, you're still going together. Even when hard decisions are made, there's consideration given to each opinion. And two strong people going together are a considerable force. But when we rule, it's different. When we rule, it means that one person is following another's demands and there's no questions asked. And two strong people pulling opposite ways can create serious calamity. Now, I learned so much about this when we very first got married. I didn't write this down in my notes at all, but... Um, man, learning how, because there were certainly times when God would speak something into my heart about a decision we need to make as a couple or whatever. And um, I'll just tell you what, it did not go very well when I said, we are doing this, no questions asked. Husbands, I just don't try it. <laughs> if you haven't given it a try, just skip that step. There's a difference between leading and ruling. When you can figure out how to lead and go together, it makes a huge difference. See, when we realize that God designed Eve to be a bringer of strength for the coming battle, man, God's design becomes clear. Think about, husband, how it changes your opinion of your wife if God designed her to be a bringer of strength for what you face tomorrow. If you think of it that way, then God's design becomes pretty clear. To go back to the examples of Legos, right? You take it out of the box and there's this picture of what it's supposed to look like on the manual. Maybe it's supposed to be a car. But if you try to make a plane out of it, you're not going to get very far because it's not the way it was designed. I kid you not, I wrote this earlier in the week and then I took my sons uh, to Donnelly to my parents' cabin. Uh, they love to play in the snow. But you only play in the snow so long, your clothes get wet, right? So we took some Legos we hadn't put together. 
And uh, one of them actually was one I used in an illustration here like a year ago. It was this three-in-one Lego thing. They make these cool ones where you can make three different things out of the Legos. And there's a manual for each one. They don't all use all the pieces. So uh, John and Luke got wet, and they came in, and they tore open this box. It's like an alligator, a snake, and some other animal. And uh, John uh, gets to work, and he builds the, uh, I think he built the alligator, the snake while we were at the cabin. It's awesome. He built the snake. Super cool. They were so proud of themselves. Well, they come home last night, and they, they decided, uh, yesterday afternoon, they decided, okay, we're going to tear it down, and instead of having the snake, we're going to build the alligator. Sounds like fun. They break out the other manual. There's pieces everywhere, right? We'd managed to get them all down. Well, the problem is Luke had taken it upon himself to build some other animals that weren't in the manual, and when John went to try to follow the design that was in there, he was missing pieces because Luke had his own plan. He made like a rat or several little rats out of the pieces or something like that. <laughs> and then Luke lost them between Don Lee and home. So we were like hunting our other Lego boxes to try and fix it. If you try and make something uh, that it wasn't designed for, you're not going to get very far. And God's design, absolutely, yes, is that the husband would lead. My wife is one of the more stronger-willed people you will ever run into. But she'll talk to you about how um, she has an understanding uh, that the husband leads. But it's also that the woman would not simply be a servant, but a bringer of strength. If you're a woman, a wife in this place, God designed you to be a bringer of strength to your family. If you're a husband, God designed it that way. But we try and do it differently than that. Uh, when one gets out of sync with the other, uh, when one tries to lord authority over the other, man over woman or woman over man, that's when it begins to get difficult. You see, the reason love is good in a marriage context is because God designed us to do it together. God saw that it was not good for man to be alone. And from that realization came Eve. And comes our wife, if we're blessed enough to have one. Something else we must understand this morning, number two. Marriage is good because we are different. We just spent a few minutes talking about the first part, that Hebrew phrase, Ezer Konegdo. There's something really funny that happens uh, in our lives. It's the overuse of specific words. I know when you're a kid, we always overuse the word best friend. Right? Oh, someone tells my best friend. Someone tells my best friend. Someone tells my best friend. But using the word best, that should mean there's only one, right? If it is the, actually the best. Especially as kids, you often have six or seven best friends. It might be the best way to describe it, but it means less if there's more than one best friend. You think, might be, think it's awesome you're someone's best friend until you find out they have seven other best friends, right? Another type of word or phrase we tend to do this with is with any type of superlative. Awesome or amazing or hilarious And those can be true about more than one thing. But if you say about everything, it means less. If everything is awesome, that means actually the person doesn't value um, everything the same. Husbands, I want to talk specifically to you for just a moment. Um, Because I believe uh, that one of our highest callings is to celebrate and honor the unique wife that God's given us. If you're married, that's one of your highest callings. And I believe we see it really clearly when we look closely at this word, connecto. 
This is the one that's translated suitable in Genesis 2 when we, when we read suitable helper. You see, one incredible thing about this word is that here in Genesis 2 is the only place in the entire Bible where this Hebrew word is used. Let that sink in. There's a lot of words in the Bible. This is the only place in these two verses where that word connecto is used. So not only is Eve created to be someone of strength, the bringer of strength for the battle you're going to face tomorrow, she's also the only one that this superlative is used for. So God saw that it was not good for man to be alone, and he created something that's one in a million to become his companion. And husbands, this knowledge, it should only increase in our hearts and our minds the value of the wife that God has so graciously given us. You know, when something is valuable or irreplaceable, we take special care to keep it protected, right? I've actually got this guitar right here. When I wrote this earlier this week, I did not think I'd have this here. So those of you that pay attention to these kinds of things, you might be thinking, I haven't seen that one here very often. And you haven't, because this one holds immeasurable valuable value to me. So all of my instruments, like that one, uh, all the ones in my office, any other one besides this one you ever see, I'll let people play. I mean, they're, some of them are expensive or whatever. I don't care if they get broken. You can buy another one, and they belong to God anyway. You can fix them and all kinds of things. But this one right here, this is a 74 Guild D50. Now you can go, you can get on eBay right now and type in 74 Guild D50 and you'll find one. But they're not this one. The reason this one holds a measurable value is because my granddad gave it to me. You hear me sometimes call my son John, John Four, And I'm John III and my dad who's here a lot of the time is John Jr. And Johnny Heisel Sr. is the one who had this guitar. And right as uh, I was learning to play, uh, he was sick with cancer, and he gave this to me when he passed away. Now, it sounds awesome. It's really fun to play. I brought it today in case I broke a string on the other one. But this one, I don't let other people mess with. I keep it home in a case, keep it in my office, because if something happens to it, I can't replace it. It's not even that I couldn't buy the same model. It's this particular one. You're starting to see where I'm going with this, Right? Husbands, and God has given us a wife of immeasurable value. There are others like that guitar, but not like that one. And husbands, when it comes to the wife that God has given us, just like the word used to describe Eve in Genesis, there might be others like her, but they aren't the one that God gave you. And when we understand how unique our wife is, then it changes how much we value her. And it's not even that a woman can't survive without a husband, but if she's been given to you, husband, then it's your job to value her immeasurably. That could mean helping, could mean a lot of things. It could mean helping to work her, uh, working to help her realize the career that God has put inside of her heart. It could mean the opposite. It could mean doing everything you can to let her be a stay-at-home mom. Or more likely somewhere in between, right? The point is that she is valued by us immeasurably. Now the other part about that word, connecto, is that it's a Hebrew word that has both a prefix and a suffix attached to it. You're like, great, I came to church, I get English lesson. Sorry. That's the way it goes. It's a Hebrew word that has both a prefix and a suffix attached to it, a before and an after. The root word means something like different 
or opposite. The prefix means similar or sameness. And the suffix, the part at the end, it means him. So we put that together and it means something like the woman is like him, but opposite him. Now if you go back and you think about the way God designed it, if we are like each other, but opposite each other, then it starts to make a lot of sense why some days are incredible and others are not as easy. But I'd love to submit to every couple here this morning that one of the keys to a great marriage is to recognize our differences, celebrate them as very good. You are different. Celebrate them as very good. And uh, admittedly, my practical experience comes from not that long, 15 years. A few tangible things we can do when it comes to our differences to help with the fact that we are similar but opposite, like the word connecto says. One of the things we can do is we can recognize and encourage the strengths of our spouse. I'll tell you this, uh, husband or wife in this place, God has uniquely created your spouse to do things well. He just has. No matter how hard you try, you will not be able to do those things well. Even if you did try to do them well, you'd hate it because God didn't put it inside of you. You won't be able to because they're not your strengths we're not very likely to feel like they're naturally important. And it is really hard to celebrate a thing in someone else that you don't think is naturally important. Now, you've picked up on the, uh, the sports vibe with me, man. I love sports. And uh, my wife, well, she would be the opposite. I mean, if there's someone that is the opposite of loving sports, it would be her. Bad news for her. Both the boys love sports, so three against one. <laughs> the thing about sports is it doesn't make sense to her. It doesn't make sense she'd want to compete all the time like that? Does it make sense that it's fun to like catch a ball and kick a ball or let someone else run into you? None of that sounds fun to her. But this funny thing happened and you know, I still, as much as I can, I go and I, I uh, you know, play in basketball leagues or football leagues or whatever. And uh, a few years ago, this is, this is how stark it is. A few years ago, she, she came to a city league basketball game. So we had this basketball team of guys and um, we'd play against other guys in Meridian and uh, she came to one of our games, and we won by 50 or 55. It's awesome. Sometimes in those things, you're the bug, and sometimes you're the windshield. <laughs> it's just, uh, you never know. But we won by like 50 or 55. And so afterwards, I'm talking to her about it. I was like, you see, you know, this happened? She's like, oh, you won? I thought you lost by 55. <laughs> she made the time to come to the game, didn't even notice that we won by 55. But she's come to recognize the importance of that part of how I am wired. See, this weird thing happens to me. If I don't go do something competitive, I start to, I start to uh, feel like there's an itch that I need to scratch. It makes me feel whole when I get to go compete, whether it's basketball or golf or whatever. And a sidebar to this is something this guy Rick Ross said when he was speaking on this. And it was so good, I just want to give it to you as he said it. Rick Ross said, any strength left unguarded soon becomes a double weakness. Fire outside of a fire pit is destructive. Water outside of a reservoir, it can bring damage that's difficult, costly to undo. And even a great God-given gift, it can lead to broken relationships and homes if they take time that should be focused on our family or our spouse. 
how to recognize and encourage the strengths of our spouse. Something else I've learned over the years is that our differences are a chance to serve each other. Our differences are a chance to serve each other. You see, when we get married, I think I mentioned this last week, a lot of us say these vows for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health. And we say those vows and you get the ring and you sign the paper and all that stuff, you're signing up for all of it. And we can either use our differences as a chance to serve or we can let them frustrate us. Let me show you what I mean. And heaven knows uh, I'm not great at this. This is just one small example. Uh, One of my wife's uh, great strengths, I'm talking about her a lot today. I should have made sure she was in here. She'll go listen to it later. Uh, One of my wife's great strengths is that she can accomplish a large amount of stuff in a short amount of time. That is a God-given ability. She gets a task and she can go focus and knock stuff out. It's incredible. She has this focus when it comes to something she sets her mind to that very few people I've ever seen anywhere can match. The one of the casualties of that strength is lids. Like the lid on this cup. You see, when we first got married, I mean, I knew this about her. She was very driven, very focused. We first got married, I'd go around the house and I'd be like, what is, why is every lid of every jar in our house not on? The jar of the pickles is not on. The jar of the peanut butter is not on. What's happening, right? And so I just assumed that she, uh, you know, didn't want to, she didn't care about it. And I, you know, what I did is I silently stewed. Oh, the peanut butter is going to get racked or pickles are going to get racked or whatever, you know. And what I find out when I started to ask her is that it's actually a thing that's really hard for her. And I can't really fathom it, but for her, it's hard to like take the jar and the lid and get them on there just right. She can do it. takes a bunch of time. Sometimes her hand is not strong enough. and Super, super frustrating for her. And I had been going around the house, man, there's loose lids everywhere. She must not care about her stuff. No, it really was, she was having trouble. Uh, she was focused on something else. She could do it. It's very frustrating for her. And so I would storm around and be frustrated that all the lids were off of the peanut butter and the pickles and whatever. But I'll tell you that it set me free when I came to this realization that one of the reasons God put me in her life was to put all of her lids on straight for her. I'm not kidding. It took someone else saying it at a conference we were at. But when I realized that I could either go around storming around tightening the lids or I could realize that it's a chance to serve, that it's a chance to complete a part of her that she wasn't great at, that changed my life. And it changed like the uh, temperature of our marriage. Other person's weaknesses are a chance to serve. I am certain that she could give you far more important examples when it comes to me, but it's totally not the point. There's way more important things that we do for each other uh, that I wouldn't talk about in a setting like this. That's not the point. The point is that our differences and even our weaknesses, they're a chance to serve. You see, friends, love and marriage, they're good. God made them and they're good. And they only get better when we understand that God created us uniquely. He used this incredibly unique word to describe Eve in Genesis. And husbands, that uniqueness, it extends to our wives. And every person, husband or wife, should endeavor to encourage the strengths of our spouse and use our differences as a chance to serve. 
I'd love to just encourage you this morning with this one final thought. This is something we, I don't know, we focused on it early on in our marriage, but it's this. God's desire for us is that we believe the best in our spouse. Now, when you go into a day believing the best instead of the worst, it'll change everything. So I would encourage you to go into each day believing the best, looking to serve. Do those two things and you watch the unity that God brings about, even in situations that seems like you'd never get through. But above and beyond all that, never forget the reason, right? We love because he first loved us. And that if his love lives in us, then it will extend to our spouse. Almost done uh, this morning, trying to keep it lighthearted today. I'd love to leave you with this. If you're here, you've never experienced a deep and wide, the confounding love of God that makes no sense, it's available to you today through Jesus. If you've got questions about this God that you keep hearing me talk about, this God that we were singing to before, I'd love to talk with you and pray with you. Um, I have this book called Following Jesus, uh, just about what it means to have a relationship with him. I'd love to give you one of them, talk to you about it. But we want you to know that God loves you. He sent his son for you. He lived a life with no sin. He died and he rose again. When you place your faith in him, he saves your life. Friends, this morning, love is the reason. God loves us, so we love others. Let's pray today. Lord Jesus, we love you and we thank you for everything you are. Thank you for your strong hand upon our lives. Lord, I just pray over uh, every uh, relationship here, every marriage specifically. Lord, I have not specific knowledge of too much stuff, but I just ask that you would reach your strong hand into every home. Lord, I begin that you, I ask that you would begin to just poke our hearts, uh, the things, uh, the ways we should look to serve instead of be frustrated, the things we should celebrate instead of be mad about. Heavenly Father, I pray you would help every husband in this place value and cherish the wife um, you've given. You've given him. Lord Jesus, I pray that every wife in this place would figure out a way to allow her husband to lead, but also be the bringer of strength that you designed her to be. Lord, would you bind every single couple represented in this place together by the power of your mighty name, Lord. We love because you loved us first. God, thank you for your love that is so big and so deep It throws our sins away as far as the east is from the west. Thank you. You do not treat us as our sins deserve. I pray that that grace, that mercy, that spirit would go with us today. We pray these things in your holy and your matchless name, Jesus. Amen. 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 Friend, thanks for coming to church today. Love is the reason. Go out. Love on somebody. Be good to each other. But uh, don't do anything that gets you in trouble and then blame it on me. That wasn't the idea. (laughs) Thanks for coming. We'll see you Sunday night. Or Sunday night. Wednesday night, 7 p.m. Next Sunday for church. Annual business meeting next week. Don't forget to sign up for the potluck. Thanks for joining us. If you'd like to learn more, you can visit us at engageboise.com. Have an amazing day.